Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. All right, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 9, verse number 14. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. This is kind of a lengthy section, uh, verses 14 through 29. This could be entitled as servant, and I guess we could call it his lack of power. It's spiritual immaturity and spiritual powerlessness. I want to read through this passage of Scripture, and as I do, point out four different characters in the story and what they needed. Then we'll go back and go through the passage again and point out some things. So I'm not sure how you want to outline it because I'm going to talk about these four different characters you know, periodically throughout the message. So Mark chapter 9, verse number 14, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. Let's talk about the scribes first as the first group. The scribes were disputing. So we have disputing scribes. And what the Lord wants to do and needs to do with them is to silence them. It's like what Paul told, I believe it was Titus, to silence the gainsayer. That was part of the job of the elder of the uh, church, to silence the gainsayer, to put him to silence by sound doctrine. And the Lord was able to do that. So we have questioning or disputing scribes. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? So disputing scribes. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son. Now we have a distressed father. We're going to meet these kinds of people in our life. Scribes that dispute, fathers that are distressed, the distressed father. Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now the father, the stressed father, needed comfort. There are people in life who are distressed and need comfort. And then we, of course, have the demon-possessed boy. And he happens to have a, a dumb spirit, a spirit that causes him not to talk, and that does not teach us that anyone with a dumb spirit is demon-possessed. That's not the case. But in the time of Christ, the demon-possessed peoples would often use, or the demon would often use physical situations to manifest themselves. 
Uh, it doesn't use the word epilepsy, but from the characteristics of what this fellow has, it might be akin to that. And so possibly the demon is using the physical ailment of epilepsy. I've known some folks with epilepsy, Christian folks, in fact, and they are not demon-possessed. That was something that old-timers used to think was the case. Those folks would get an epileptic fit and have convulsions and whatnot. So we have a demon-possessed boy that needed to be healed. And, of course, the father comes to the disciples. And so what we have is the fourth group of people is the defeated disciples. And that's where we fit in probably most, the defeated disciples who needed to be instructed. Right, so we have disputing scribes who needed to be silent. We have a distressed father who needs to be comforted. We have a demon-possessed boy that needs to be healed. And we have defeated disciples who need to be instructed. And of course, they need to be empowered. I suppose we ought to put that in there as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. All right, so those four different characters. Of course, you also have the crowd that's there as well. A great multitude. And they're also in need of some lessons as well. Let me read the rest of the passage. This man came to Jesus, verse 18, and he said, I spake unto thy disciples that they should cast out the demon, and they could not. And he answered him, Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the water and to destroy him. You'll notice that the purpose of the demon is destruction. Always damage and destruction. Death, destruction and defeat. That's the purpose of the demon. He wants to destroy us through death, kill us. If he can't do that, then he'll try his best to uh, destruction. If he can't do that, he will try his best to defeat us. Okay, so that's the demon pattern. It's the same pattern as Satan has. Death, destruction, defeat. Verse number 22, Oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters. But if thou canst do anything... Have compassion on us. Notice that the Father has a little bit of a weak faith here. If thou canst do anything. It's kind of a dumb statement, isn't it? The Lord can do something, right? Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now we have some defeated disciples here who could not cast out the demon. 
And they're asking Jesus, in verse 28, why could not we cast him out? They are lacking in spiritual maturity and spiritual power. They're not grown up enough in the Lord and not tapping into his power like they should. And so that immaturity, that powerlessness, causes shame and belittlement to the disciples. There's also weak faith. Jesus is hinting at that on a number of points here. Uh, Actually, everybody in this story, the disputing scribes, the distressed father, the demon-possessed boy, and the defeated disciples all have a weak faith in some form or fashion or another. The father's faith was weak. Now, the Lord, look at what he says there in verse 19. When the father piped up, it's interesting to me that the Lord is addressing the scribes, okay? Why are you questioning here, verse number 16? But they don't answer, this father answers. One of the multitude answered, the father. And then Jesus answers him, verse 19. But in answering him, I think he's addressing the faithless disputing scribes. The faithless distressed father and the faithless defeated disciples. Everybody's got a weak faith. He calls them a faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring the boy unto me. So we have the presence of weak faith. That can be an embarrassment. And it embarrassed the disciples. They could not cast out the demon out of the young man. And then, of course, the father in verse 24, recognizes his unbelief, and he says, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And, of course, he's asking the question there, verse 22, 23, if you can do it, and Jesus said, if thou canst believe. So he has a weak faith. The child had not been healed because of weak faith. Not just the weak faith of the disciples, but no one, no one in this crowd, Not the disputing the scribes, not the multitude, anyone from the multitude, not the father, not the disciples, no one could heal this young man. So, actually, everybody in the whole story has not, so not the father, not the disciples, or not the scribes, none of them have faith to heal this man. And then there's a powerless ministry. That causes embarrassment. So we have the sickness that causes embarrassment, we have the Weak faith that causes embarrassment and the powerless ministry. The very persons who should have been able to help this man were the disciples. You you wouldn't expect the scribes to be able to help, right? The boy couldn't help himself. The father was helpless. The persons uh, in the whole multitude who should have been able to help should have been the disciples. And none of them could help. Not a single one was able to help. So they lacked the power. And this no power then turns around. This is where it fits us. This no power. Jesus Jesus said in the Great Commission, let me get my thoughts here with you. In the Great Commission, all power is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach and preach and so forth. Great Commission. As if to say, I've got the power. You can have the power. And now, of course, you understand from our perspective as independent, fundamental, soul-winning, separated, biblicists, Baptists, that we do not go around practicing faith healing. 
We believe that these are examples in the life and ministry of Christ. There's certainly, clearly miracles during the life and time of Christ and the apostles, early apostles, had the ability to perform these miracles. We don't believe that we have that power to perform those miracles to heal people. God does have that power. But we are to have power to do the work of the ministry, to preach the gospel, to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ. And so that's where we need to apply it. We need power in our ministry, in our soul winning efforts, in our gospel tract distribution ministries, and whatever we're doing, we need the power of the Lord. When we don't have power, that affects the people around us. Okay? They are lacking. Here's this boy who was not helped. And so we need faith. We need power in the ministry to do what needs to be done. Now sometimes, sometimes sickness will come because of sin. Mark that sometimes, underline that, highlight that. You know, sometimes the sicknesses come because of sin. And because we have weak faith or whatever. So some illnesses, whether they're due to natural causes or brought on by immorality or drunkenness or some other sinful behavior that destroys and brings injury to the body, all sicknesses cause embarrassment. We're not proud of, well, hey, I'm sick today. And we understand what sickness does. We don't want to be sick. All sickness causes embarrassment. But there's no excuse for a person who lives such a sinful life that his faith is weak and his ministry is powerless and his body contracts a disease. You know, if, if that's brought on because of our sinfulness, then there's no excuse for that. Alright, so I don't know why these disciples were powerless. I'm going to give you some suggestions here in a moment about what to do about that. But notice also that the crowd, and we are in verse 15, the crowd, when Jesus appeared, straightway all the people, when they beheld him, that's the Lord, were greatly amazed, running to him and saluting him. They're filled with wonder at the amazement of the Lord Jesus. Now, here's some thoughts. We've just finished talking about the transfiguration. Perhaps Jesus retained some of the glory of the transfiguration. We do know that when Moses went up on the mountain and met with the Lord, that his face shone so much so that when he came down off of the mountain, he had to put a veil upon his face. So it's possible that the people were amazed at the Lord Jesus because he still retained some of the glory of the transfiguration. That's just the thought. Also, they might have been amazed because of the timing. I think the Lord always has a great timing. It's uh, an opportune time that the people are amazed to see him. Here there is a disputation amongst the scribes and the Lord pops on the scene so they may have been amazed at that. And they also could have been greatly amazed because of the Lord's temperament. The Lord walking because he had been with Moses and Elijah and had been in the presence of the Lord, the voice calling from heaven, this is my beloved son, and so it's possible, we mentioned last time, that part of the reason for the transfiguration was to strengthen Christ. And so Jesus may have been walking, you know, this is from a human perspective now, walking with a renewed air of authority 
and decisive countenance, and so they may have seen that. Well, I'm thinking about that. You know, the people around us ought to see and catch a bit of the glory of the Lord. We ought to submit to the Lord's timing. We often pray when that the Lord would send us to the right homes. Okay, We have cards or a list of people, and I don't tell everybody which order to do this. So we need the Lord's help as we go. If we get here for soul winning at 9.30, we don't usually leave till 10 or so after we uh, pray and get our cards and chat and whatnot. And so let's say at 10.10 on the Saturday morning, we're knocking on the door of such and such a house. What if that person is not home? What if they were going to be home? I had one yesterday. I went to a house where a fellow was working, and maybe I should have stuck around, I don't know, but... The owner of the house wasn't there. This fellow was doing some carpentry work. And I just told him, give him the, it was a new move-in contact, to give him the packet of information. He said, well, the owner should be back shortly. Well, he may have come back within the next five minutes, but he may not have come back for the next half hour. So I, I didn't stay. You know, so we need the Lord's help in the timing of all of this. A lot of times when we go to these houses, they're not home. You know, we can't beat ourselves over the head. Oh, I just would have come. I've been to several houses. In fact, I went back to another one yesterday. I think I've been there five times already and never have had anybody home. It was one of the contacts that we had from the survey that we did, which is interesting to me because the survey was probably done on a Saturday, and uh, so I haven't been able to catch them home at all, left uh, information all uh, four or five times. Well, the timing. We're praying that the Lord will send us at the right time to the right place. We don't have the divine, um, you know, insight onto where people are and when we're supposed to do all of those things. And then our temperament ought to be one with us. We ought to walk with a spring in our step and all that sort of thing so that folks understand that we have an excitement and an enthusiasm about the gospel. Now, let's talk for a moment about the son's illness. We already kind of hinted at this as well, that this illness was both physical and spiritual. I'm not saying that every time we have a sickness or an illness that it is both spiritual and physical. But there is a connection somewhere between. And the demon knows this. And the demon that possessed the boy latched on to the physical problems, whatever they were. It doesn't matter what they were. We know that he was had a, a dumb spirit and could not talk. The Mark passage doesn't mention that he was deaf. I think one of the other Gospels might mention that. And then the taking of the boy and casting him to the fire might be a connection with a physical thing like epilepsy or whatever. We don't know all of that. But so it's physical and it's spiritual. And we are united. When we have physical problems, it affects us spiritually. Also, I think when we get spiritually out of sorts with the Lord, it can affect us physically. So there is some kind of connection there. But don't get all hyper about uh, this, that every time you have a physical thing, it's because you're not walking with the Lord. That's not necessarily the case at all. But what happens with the spirit, the evil spirit, the evil spirit comes along, part of his work is to heighten and aggravate existing conditions. And you can see the description, if you were to compare Mark and Luke and Matthew, they all have this incident. There's a, a dumb spirit here in Mark, it's called an evil spirit in, in Luke. 
a devil in Matthew 17. In Mark, the spirit seizes him and he foams, he gnashes with his teeth and Mark uses the language, he pines away okay, or he's wasting away. Luke says that the spirit cries out, tears him, foams and bruises. Matthew calls the demon a lunatic and says the boy is sore, vexed. And he, of course, falls into the fire and into the water, often causing him to do that. So that's what happens. That's what the demon does. And so it's sometimes difficult to even recognize the demonic activity. Now, we have these defeated disciples who were powerless. Why do the servants of God fail? Now, let me give you several suggestions of why that might be the case and why we often lack power. Why does our faith weaken? Number one, we need to practice the presence of Jesus. Practice His presence. The sense that Christ is far away and out of reach makes one ineffective. We have the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to His disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you another comforter. We have the indwelling presence and power of Christ. But when we are powerless, that presence and power are not felt. Watchman Nee, I don't recommend everything that he wrote, but he was a Chinese man. He wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of Christ. And we ought to do that. We don't practice Christ's presence. We were listening to a song on the way to church tonight about uh, the idea was that we don't, uh, we don't see the face of Christ and so therefore... Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. So we put our eyes on Christ, the things of earth become strangely dim. And we were talking about that this morning on the way home, about why is it that Christians in other churches don't seem to see the problems with their rock music and so forth. And so as we were listening to that song tonight, I said, well, there's your answer. We don't put our eyes on Christ, so the things of the earth look bright. But we put our eyes on Christ, so we need to practice His presence. Also, we need to follow His example. Follow the Lord's example. The Lord was absent from the initial part of this story. So the disciples, the man, came to the disciples and asked them for help. Well, we need to follow Christ's example. We don't have the actual presence of Christ except through the indwelling ministry of the Spirit of God, but we need to follow His example. And then, since the Father, the scribes too, and the disciples were without faith or with weak faith or with unbelief, here's another rule, guard against unbelief. Guard against unbelief. Where does faith come from? from the hearing of the Word. So when you find yourself lacking faith, go back to the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. All of these disciples lacked faith, so that means that they weren't trusting in God's Word. Guard against unbelief. And we mentioned the temperament. I think another thing we need to do is to guard our temperament. I should say this too. When Let me back up to guarding your, your unbelief. 
the disputing scribes, the questioning scribes, I don't know whether this was their agenda or not, but it's certainly the agenda of questioning, is to weaken or to destroy the faith. And that's what the question is all about. Uh, they're questioning, the scribes are questioning the disciples and saying, well, you claim to be whatever they're saying, disciples of Christ, and you can't even do this, that, or the other thing. Whatever the accusation, it's designed to weaken our faith, so guard against unbelief. Go back to the Word of God, get your faith from Him, and then guard your temperament. It's so easy to be swayed by the crowd or by the circumstances and to lose that spring in your step, that smile on your face. Guard your temperament. Those are ways that we can keep power. And then I would also suggest this. Pray for power. Pray for power. What we find the Lord teaching and instructing the disciples about this, verse 28 when he was come unto the house, his disciples asked him privately, not when the crowd was around, why could not we cast out this demon? And here's Jesus' answer. He said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So pray for power. Prayer comes by seeking for it and by praying and fasting for it. Uh, pray for power. Practice his presence. Follow his example. Guard against unbelief. Guard your temperament and pray for power. Now, we also mentioned that all of these people were without faith or had weak faith. Faithlessness. Faithlessness grieves Christ. He has to rebuke the disciples. Verse number 25, he rebuked the foul spirit. But he's also uh, speaking to the Father. If thou canst believe, verse number 23, all things are possible to him that believeth. So faithlessness grieves Christ. Hebrews 11, 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. When the Lord says, O faithless generation, in verse number 19, I don't think he was just talking about the disciples or the Father. It says he answered him, but the Father is the one that answered the question. The question was originally asked of the scribes. So the faithless generation is the scribes, the father, the disciples, and the boy, as well as the whole crowd, the faithless generation. And so all of them needed to get their faith back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we also have to look at this pitiful condition that the boy was found in. There are folks all around us we called him a demon-possessed boy. Okay, and There may or may not be folks around us who are demon-possessed, but they are certainly trying to be destroyed and defeated by Satan. Maybe not physical problems, but spiritual problems. And the pitiful conditions of the sinner, all of that, I'm sure, grieves the Lord as well. And then, of course, the Lord was grieved at the father's plight, the father had grief over the son's condition, and uh, he cried out, what was it there, verse number 24, straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. And so that's um, something that grieves the Lord. We need to be grieved about the faithlessness of people around us, the pitiful condition of the world around us, and the plight of people who need help. And then, what do we need to do? This spiritual immaturity, this spiritual powerlessness must be acknowledged by faith. 
Father needed it. The disciples needed it. We're not really addressing the scribes so much in this passage of Scripture. And then you must do like the Father did. This spiritual immaturity and or powerlessness must be acknowledged by humility and crying for help. So it can be conquered. Powerlessness can be conquered by seeking spiritual help and by this prayer and fasting. Our power doesn't come from the fasting. It comes from the Lord. He's the grantor of power. So what we're doing in our fasting and praying is tapping into the power of the Lord. So we can learn some lessons from these four different groups. The disputing scribes needed to be silenced, and they're silenced by the word of the Lord. The distressed father needs to be comforted. There are folks all around us who need to be comforted. Yes, there is an answer. I may not know what the answer is, but I know the one who has the answer, and you can tell them that. Uh, The demon-possessed boy needs to be healed. Sinners all around us need to be saved. And defeated disciples need to be instructed and empowered. So there's some lessons we can learn from the service of Christ to be servants like Jesus. This is Dr. Lee Hennies, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached the church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. <laughs>